0: Pooja lost her mom at the age of 10. This meant she had to step up and shoulder responsibilities for her younger sister, who has autism, and can neither walk nor talk, and also struggles with hearing. While the weight of her past can sometimes overshadow her aspirations for the future, Pooja strives to radiate positivity and strength. If you are enjoying the podcast and listening on Apple Podcasts, can you please leave a rating and review? I'd really appreciate it. And now Pooja's story. Hi, this is Beth and welcome back to The Daughters Without Moms podcast. I'm glad you're here. This is actually my first recording after taking a kind of break for the summer. I did a blitz of recordings like back at the end of May and June and have been have been releasing them all summer and this is my my first one back in the middle of August. And I have Pooja here with me from Canada. And, um, she actually said she found me from a Google search, which is the first time I've heard that. So I'm just thrilled that, um, she was looking for something for daughters without moms and Google gave her me. (laughs) So, um, as, as I do, I'm going to turn the mic over to her and let her introduce herself and, uh, for those of you who don't know, I actually do mute myself and let people tell their story from beginning to end. And then I will be back with a few questions. So thank you so much for being here today.
1: Okay. Hey. Hi, um, my name is Puja, and I am 26 years old. And um, this is my story. I, um, I was 10 years old when I lost my mother. And, um, I feel like that was, that was something that changed the course of my life and it hasn't been easy, but it hasn't, it hasn't taken me down either. Um, more so I just, I think I believe that it's given me the power to be stronger, um, than I could have been maybe, you know, and, um, I would also like to mention this story um, consists of my sister as well. And um, it's important to bring her up here because um, she she is autistic and she is unable to walk. She's unable to talk. She's five years younger to me. So she was five when she lost her mother and I was 10 when I lost mine. And um, we... We just had my father. It was the three of us, um, and we we kind of tried to navigate our life through um, all that there is. Honestly, it hasn't um, it hasn't been easy, like I said. But we we try and we try and we try. And um, I would like to start my story with the fact that. Because my mom passed away so early on in my life, I feel like a lot of, a lot of what she could have been in her life was all thrown down um, and bled into me and my sister. And uh, more than ever, I had to take up the shadow of my mother um, for my sister as well. And doing that has it, it, ma- it makes me feel that I might have been or I probably am resilient. Um, but it's it's a weight on my shoulder. I feel it every single moment of my life. And I am not exaggerating when I say that. I uh I have had to, I've had to really grow up. When, when you know, most people, most children get the opportunity to go out and have fun and um, play and and have so many different experiences outside of what they, um, what they would in their homes. I kind of lacked both of those. I couldn't have experiences outside. Couldn't have experiences in my little house, in my little home. Um, I I didn't know that it would it would completely shatter what my um, mom's vision for me in the future would be. The whole idea of you know um, what could have been still it kind of haunts me and it makes me feel like, I think that is one of the things that I um, feel really sad about what could have been. Um, But what is right now is also really beautiful in its own way. Um, Starting off with how I lost my mom. I lost her to um, septicemia, which is a blood infection. So there was um there was just poison that basically one of one of her um you know uh blood cells I think had a little bit of poison kind of broke and kind of um took over her body and um, it was it was actually a very difficult situation because she stopped she stopped eating she stopped um communicating with us the way that she would and i still remember she would only talk about how she's unhappy and um, unfortunately those are you know some of the only memories that i have because it just felt like the last days of my mother have been the most un Um, happy days of her life and um, I don't think she was I don't think she was expecting it she was like okay you know what I'm I'm um, I'm unwell I'll get I'll get okay I'll be okay and uh, she wasn't and I uh, I still remember when my sister was born she would um she would take my sister you know for whatever in whatever ways that she could because with whatever amount of knowledge she had which was also ridiculously limited at the time because we lived in bombay we lived in india and we didn't have access to information we didn't have as much awareness about um children with autism and here it was um, my sister Isha, um, an autistic child who is completely dependent. And my mom was just struck by it. I think that's when my mom's um, depression started. And I like until the very end, it wasn't diagnosed, it wasn't um given the attention and the care and the um nourishment that it needed. Um and it, i i still think that had had that been um addressed at the right time things would have been a lot different than what they are right now my mom would take my mom is a believer in god and she would take my sister to like she would she would take her to churches she would take her to mandir she would um take her to any she she was like she was crazy. she was like, "Hey, you know what? like I'm gonna go to every God that there is, you know every God that there is, and I'm just gonna like I'm just gonna ask God to help my child and um and in that process, I would go along with her, and I didn't know that these were um experiences that I would remember for the rest of my life. I uh, remember going to um, one event with her and my sister, and um, she went to she went to the father, and she was like, "Father, you know, bless my bless my child. I uh, I don't know what to do. I am very I'm I'm very shaken by what has happened to this little little girl, and uh, the father." was like, you know, I understand child, we will do everything in our capacity to help um, help you help your child. And um, in that moment, actually, the father just, he looked at me and um, he was like, is this your other child? And she said, yes. And um, he was like, okay and then he asked her to sit down and he looked at me and he he spoke to me and he was like you are going to have um, a little bit of a difficulty in your life and i just went like but what? What? I-, <laughs> I don't get it i don't i don't know what you're saying and uh, he said um, you know your mom um and i i you know in in india in hindi we call um, mom ma So um, he said, your ma is struggling through a lot. um, And uh, there's going to be a time in your life where she's not going to have the time to take care of you. And you're going to have to do it by yourself. And uh, I don't think I even like, I could even comprehend what he was saying. Because I was like, what, eight, I think seven, eight years old. And uh, I said, Okay. (laughs) that's all I said and that was it that was the end of discussion and now you know now after so many years I I think of it and it actually it came to me suddenly because I'd completely blocked that memory out of my you know my system and I was just like you know he he kind of picked up on something that um that was just, you know, it was beyond anyone's, um, you know, you can't fathom that, and um, and it did, it did happen. Um, I realized with my sister being in the picture, my mom's attention was just her at the time, and for all the right reasons, and it should have been that way, but I felt like a very lonely child i felt extremely excluded um i would cry and i would just be like you know wherever you're going just take me just take me with you because i was so in awe with my mother she was just this like the most beautiful um woman that i had ever seen and i'm not even kidding you know she had the most like she had perfect style the way that she would talk the way that she would, um, you know, present herself in in front of people, everything was just a one, and I was so inspired by that because I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm I'm gonna be like her, I'm gonna be like my mother, um, and that that happened. So you know, we when we we've been, um, even when she was around. We went through so many struggles in life. There, there were there was test after test after step, test. Like there was financial struggle, there was emotional struggle, there was physical struggle. Um, anything and everything that you could um you know put into a box and be like, hey, this is this is going to be very tough. It was all that. It was really really tough. So. I was like, okay, you know what? It's fine, and I'm just gonna deal with it. And little did I know that I am not just gonna have to deal with it. I'm gonna be it. I'm gonna be tough. <laughs> it was. Um, I. It, it still. It still. You know, like surprises me at times where I think when whenever I think about the little whatever little time I had with my mother. My mom was very um, adamant about me um, learning English. She was like, I'm going to put you into a Catholic school. You need to go, you need to study English. You need to be able to, you know, like um, um, you need to be able to understand everything you need to have. You need to be bilingual. You need to be, she wanted me to be everything. That she didn't have the opportunity to be and I I just was a very small child with very small understanding of the world and here it was like all this information being bombarded on me you know through my like by my mother like you've got to do this you've got to do that you've got to figure this out you have a future you're going to be so good you're going to be able to do so many things and Um, it felt like there was you know at the time honestly it felt like oh my gosh this is too much like you're doing too much you this you know I don't think other children have to deal with this and the same thing now you know when when a friend of mine comes up and if they complain oh my god my mom has really you know like she's tiring me and I just go like wow, like, I cannot believe I'm missing the same thing that I thought was too much for me. You know, it's like tables completely turning you getting a whole different perspective of the same situation. And um, it feels like that is when, you know, that is when growth happens. And um, and it's been it's been a journey of just growth, I think. Um, but there have been many, many times where I've just failed and I've just fallen and I have had no energy to get out of my bed and be like, I just, I cannot get through with this day. I cannot get through with the next breath that I'm going to take. You know, it was, it's... It can be that daunting sometimes. But um, coming back to, you know, my time with my mother, while all of that happened and she was so persistent in making me um, be a strong woman, be independent. um, And she was always this way. And it was actually, you know, um, very, uh, very radical to, um, to be able to do something like that. She had to be a very um confident and um you know a person who just looks beyond what is given to her you know she would be the one to question things and um, that was that that is something that i really admired about her through the last days of her um passing um i was taking care of my sister and um, when she had started getting sick she just she would just tell me what are you going to do what are you going to do when you're like but if I'm not around what are you going to do and I would just be like I don't think you're not going to be around you know (laughs) like I was it was you know it was never an option uh let alone a reality it was never an option for me that you know I was like there is no way that you like what are you talking about? You're going to be here. My mother's going to be here. And I think in those moments when she was trying to really push me um, and be like, you have to take care of your sister. You have to do this. You have to do that. I think in those times, she was slowly realizing herself that maybe um, this is not going to last forever. I'm not going to last forever. And uh, uh being a mortal being um became a very very um strong harsh reality in that moment for her um especially when she was pushing me to do things and uh, she was like okay now i'm going to explain you how to take care of your sister so you have to feed her you have to do this you have to like bathe her you have to you have to just take care of your sister the one thing that i feel really bad about um is that in all of that, I just, I felt like I was being neglected. I felt like I was just shunned away. Like my, I had to do those things. I had to be strong. I had to be confident. I had to present myself in a certain way. Because if I don't do that, my family will um, just shatter. And so that was an extremely heavy responsibility on a child that's only nine years old. And I don't blame her at all. I do not blame her. I Initially, I struggled, of course, but I think I came to an understanding very later on in life um, that she did that because she was just like, I can't think of emotions at this point. I need to think of like logical, rational things. And I can't believe a person who's going through so much was still thinking about rationally, thinking about what needs to be done. Because if she's not around, everything is anyway going to, you know, shatter. So like, how are we going to um, manage whatever has, um, you know, completely been destructed? whatever little I can manage or I can do, I'm just going to ask Puja to do it. And uh, she went through a lot of rounds of, um, you know, medically she went through way too many things. First, she was diagnosed with thyroid, which was a wrong um, diagnosis. She was being put on thyroid medication as well. Wrong medication for the longest time. And um, that also kind of eventually, you know, uh, uh, resulted into what happened to her. Um, it was only when she was admitted in the ICU is when she uh, is when the diagnosis of septicemia came up, and that was the right diagnosis. And they said that it's too late. So for the longest time, my mom was just, you know struggling and she wasn't even being given the right kind of things that she needed at the time and um that was one of the like a, a really big learning um a wrong diagnosis can just harm you it can completely disrupt you um but I didn't I didn't get an opportunity to talk to her one last time I didn't and uh, that was a decision I think uh, that I am I, I think I'm still angry about it um, I'm angry with with my family I'm angry with my father in just 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 for that little bit where had I just gotten one last chance to talk to her I don't know what I would have said I would have probably like fumbled I would have you know like not even been able to put words into sentences and anything that makes sense I wouldn't have been able to do anything but I just would have been able to hold her one last time and tell her that you know what I I just I wish you were not going but if you are then I just want you to know that I'll be all the things you wanted me to be. And uh, uh, my father uh, came to me and my father was like the night before she uh, passed away your ma called me in the ICU and the first thing that she told me was why is it so hot here? Can you ask them to like Switch the AC on. Can you just ask them? I am feeling hot. What is going on? She was complaining about temperature. And that is the most human thing that I feel like. Just her humanness was so beautiful. And I loved it because when my father came and told me, I was like, that's Ma for you. And he was like, yeah, that's 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 Rina for me. Uh, Brina was her name, um, her maiden name. She changed it to Aisha eventually, um, which is also a lovely name. Um, she she told him that, followed by, I think I'm going to go. So, um, it is now on you. You have to take care of Puja. You have to take care of Isha. And, uh, she told my father in in that moment that it's going to be the hardest for Punjab. She knew it. She said, "It's out of the three of you, it's going to be the hardest for her. So you better be there for her. Um, and tell her that I love her. And uh, give my love to Ishu. And my father told me this in the most uh, in the most normal way, without breaking down. Uh, he just he was like, "Oh, so your mo- your mother told this, 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 this is it." And it was you know it was always like growing up with my father was actually very funny now that I think of it. But it was just like you know he was he tried his best he tried his best with very little information very little awareness um with whatever in however way possible in how like in whatever capacity that he could he raised two daughters um, in a place like bombay um 17 years ago and that wasn't easy at all it wasn't easy because you know you have these two girls. You don't know if they're going to be safe if you leave to work. Uh, who are you going to, you know, ask to take care? Who uh who is going to take care? This one of them is like 10 years old and she doesn't know how to like cook, she doesn't know how to do anything. Like, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna take care of her? And then one is so dependent. She can't speak, she can't. Walk. You have to do everything for her. So I get it. I understand, and you know, it it has been a process with him as well because he's a very uh, he's not as emotionally you know he's not emotional in in ways that I would want him to be, um, which is you know it's fair you know
0: you,
1: you do you, but at the same time I just feel like as parents. Um, I can't say anything because I'm not a parent yet, but uh, I've heard from parents that I've spoken to as parents there are certain responsibilities that you have, and there are certain you know things that you learn you you grow as parents with your children and um he he did whatever he could i just I wish that you know I had more time to spend with him as well because he was constantly working. A lot of uh, the responsibilities just came down to me, eventually. My father would go out to work. I would be there with my sister. I'd have to take care of her. Um, So the first year of my uh, ma passing away, we uh, decided to go and live with my grandmother and uh, my grandmother was, you know, gracious enough to take us in. And she was like, okay, you know, I completely understand. Until you figure your life out, we, um, we'll we take care of the children. But um, she was old herself. She was going through, like, a chronic Ill- illness at the time herself. And uh, she couldn't have helped us. Whatever, like, she gave us... A roof over our heads to live was enough I would say today it was enough but at the time I was this 10 year old I was I was like my I didn't even know that my life had you know turned upside down I had no no idea of how my how I'm going to deal with my emotions how I'm going to deal with milestones and achievements how I'm going to deal with failure nothing whatsoever there was this one time that I very like vividly remember this Um. so my school used to be from 9 to 3 9 a.m in the morning to 3 p.m., which is a very weird timing and I just I still like you know I, I still don't understand why they would do that I feel like you know either keep it in the morning or keep it in the afternoon like don't you know just pick a lane <laughs> um, but at the time I obviously you know we didn't my mom passed away um, May 29th and the school starts June 13th so there were very le- like very less schools that were allowing uh, admissions at the time so we got into this one school and um, my uh, my dad was like okay now it's okay it's going to be from 9 to 3 but when you come back you have to take care of your sister and uh, I was like okay now maybe that's that's just life and I think I'd gotten a little bit of a training when my mom was dealing with um, her illness I think around that time I had already started feeding issue i had already started I call her issue by the way Um so I started feeding her I started bathing her I just basically started taking care of her Um but those were the you know like basic things that I could do for her I did she needed a lot more than that to this day I feel like she needed a lot more than that. And I couldn't have provided it to her at the time because I had no understanding of what I'm doing in the first place either. So it was like a very, um, it was just a very difficult circumstance to be in. But that is what happened. So nine to three, my school would be, and I'd come back. I would first make her eat. I would bathe her. Um, then I would eat myself then I would do my homework and uh, then I would help my grandmother cook food Um, and then watch a little bit of you know like tv shows here and there and go to sleep that was my life that was it and I remember fighting with my grandmother one day and I was just like can you please let me go down and play like I just want to play like what do like what is happening? Why am I not allowed to play? And she really felt for me, and so she did start. Like you know, she was like, "Okay, go down, go for half hour, and come back." So I had thirty minutes of play time, and in those thirty minutes, I feel like the first ten minutes was just like getting your friends together, and then you know, twenty minutes of like, and then ten minutes of deciding what you're going to play, and then ten minutes of actually playing it, and then I always I always left right in the middle of the game I never finished games and um, that is why I feel like I'm ridiculously competitive (laughs) I just feel like uh, my friends would like my friends would agree my friends are like you just you've got to stop with all this energy that you have I don't know where it's coming from and I'm like you don't want to know where it's coming from (laughs) but um, yeah so that that was that was my schedule so one day I came um back from school and by the way like at school I I hadn't like I wouldn't tell anybody that I lost my mom I um I would in fact lie and I would tell them that yeah like my mom cooked this anything that I'd get in my little tiffin box um lunch or like you know little breakfast lunch everything oh yeah my mom did it my mom did it just you know because everybody was only talking about their mothers I don't think like children at that age have anything else to talk about other than oh okay we'll play and oh my mother did this and my mother told me this and my father did this so I think I um I just wanted to be a part of the conversation And um, in in doing so, I lied. Um, And I I think now, after, you know, taking therapy, I've understood that um, I did that because I just wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to accept that I had lost my mother. And um, so, yeah, so I came back this Monday came back home my um my sister had this habit of uh you know um hitting herself so because you know obviously there's movements are you know very uh your brain basically asks you to do certain movements right and you're like maybe like pick up the water bottle or keep it and all of that her um brain didn't function that way so she would you know she would just randomly do stuff she was constantly moving moving lot of movements a lot of movements because she didn't know when to stop she didn't know when to start and she didn't know when to stop and uh, I feel for this girl I feel for this girl to date um to date and I just I just feel like I don't I don't know how she Ghost gets through every single day of her life so this one day i come back home and i see my sister sitting on the bed weeping absolutely weeping um and and i just look at her and i just go like what happened and i look at her hand and her hand has a bruise um, which is now bleeding because she had a habit of hitting her hand um, on like wooden, um, you know, um, maybe if she finds wood, she'll hit her hand or like the wall or anything. So the end of the, um, like there was this one little plank that we had and the end of that plank, she scratched herself and um, she already had a bruise, but that was slowly healing. She basically just went scratched it again. And it was completely like it just it just got out of hand literally, and um, started bleeding. There was blood, and my grandmother was sitting, and my grandmother just did not like she couldn't understand what was happening at all. So I come back home. I still remember I had my backpack on my shoulders, in my uniform. And I look at my grandmother. I'm like, what happened? Um, and she said. Oh, like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, she's going like this. And I'm like, okay, can you just like, I don't know how to handle this. She then goes on to get some like grab water, drink. And then she tells me, your sister started hitting her hand. And now she's bleeding. I don't know what to do. I can't handle her. She's becoming, she's, she's very violent. I can't handle her. And in that moment I think that was the first time in my life because it was you know I think that was one of the most pivotal moments of my life in that moment I realized this is how my life is going to be I will not have time for my emotions at all I'm gonna have to take care I'm gonna have to take care of this you know of whatever situation that there is but obviously i wasn't thinking um about all of that that time it came up, it came to me very later but that time was action time so i was like okay now i'm just going to take her so i get rid of my backpack and i take her um down to the clinic um of the like the doctor's clinic there was a doctor's clinic downstairs in our building luckily i go there and it's closed And, um, and I'm like, I asked the watchman, I'm like, hey, like, when is it going to open? And he said, it'll open up in in an hour. So you come back in an hour. And uh, I'm just like, where am I going to take my sister who's bleeding right now? I have no idea what to do. So you know, the easiest remedy in like back in, you know, like traditional Indian homes It's just to take uh, a little bit of turmeric and put it on your wound so that it, you know, completely stops bleeding. So I did that because that was the only thing that I knew. So I did it. It still didn't stop. It kept bleeding. And my sister was only crying. And I was crying now with this because I was just like there was a placebo effect also. Right. Like I'm just I'm not okay with blood. I'm just not okay with it. Like I was I got so scared. So I, I've, honest to God, I have waited down. I didn't go back home with my sister. I have only waited down, you know. The first thing I did, put some turmeric on her, went down, talked to the watchman, went to the uh, little shed that we have in the building, sat with her because I was like, I need to be the first person to go in that clinic and um i sat the doctor came uh after half hour in, in like luckily she came after half hour and there were more people that came with her because they like these are like patients so they've all come they've all sat i've taken my sister and i've gone inside the clinic and i'm seeing all these people and then i'm seeing the doctors inside the door is closed And all of these people look at me with my sister in my hand. I was in my school uniform and the blood that was like, it it had actually gotten onto my uniform. So my uniform was bloody, (laughs) you know, and they like, these people look at me and they're like, Oh my God, what has happened? And uh, in the, like, I feel like even that, when I think about it in that moment, I, realized there is humanity there is just people are like there are good people out there no matter what people say no matter how like even if the world is crumbling down good people exist and all of them collectively were like you go in first with your sister so um the doctor's assistant basically looked at me and like opened the like basically really opened the slammed open the door for like the doctor's door and the doctor was like oh my god what happened looked at us and went oh my god get her in so we've got her in she keeps my sister aside she starts, like, she's like, okay, you've put some turmeric. Did it help? And I was like, no, it, it's not helping. I don't know what to do. And I'm just, like, fumbling, okay, with my words. Like, I don't even know how to explain it at that, at that point. And she's like, okay, you know what, calm down. She asks her assistant to get me some water. And she just takes care of my sister. She, you know, basically um, uh, first cleans up the entire wound and then puts, like, a little bit of, um, you know, I think it was soframycin um but you know just to keep it all intact and then you know band-aid and everything so she she took care of her in that moment and I was like there is someone else who can take care of my sister (laughs) that was all I was thinking thank god there is someone else who can take care of my sister when I can't when I have no idea of how to even take care of my sister so she did all of that and I told her, okay, doctor, like I, I, I'm sorry. I just have um, I, I was hurrying up a lot, so I just have fifty bucks right now, fifty rupees, and um, I'll go back home and I'll get it from my grandmother and I'll give it to you. And uh, she just looked at me and she was like, "Don't do it. It's okay. Come back with her. Um, next time." And because we need to keep doing this on a, you know, like every two days, we need to uh keep removing the band-aid, keep putting it, re reapplying the band-aid and all. It's gonna go on for at least until her um wound heals a little bit. Um, and then it's gonna be okay. And uh, next time you come, that time ask your f- father also to come. Because I explained her this si- situation. She was like, Where is your mother? The first question is always, where is your mother? Wherever you go, where is your mother? And it's just like, I don't have one. Now, what do I do? Like, do I produce one? <laughs> it was always this, you know, it was, it just, it made me feel so bad because I was like, wow, like a mother's role is, it's imperative. Um, and so I come up and go back home and my uniform has blood on it and we didn't have a washing machine we used to wash clothes with our hands and um like I said like a fairly modest middle class family I come from that um you know very humble beginnings and so I I put her down um like I kept her on the bed and I just like you know I was like okay she's gonna be okay I made her drink some water I made her um like I gave her some fruits And she was sitting and she was not moving at all at this point. Like she was just like, because I think she was in shock. Her body was in shock, like herself. So she kept, she kept okay. Like she was okay. She kept her calm, was there sitting on the uh, chair. I went, started washing my uniform because I just had the one uniform and I had to wear it again next day. So I have to clean this. I have to make sure that it dries, and then I wear it the next day. I remember cleaning it, and I was crying while I was cleaning it because I it felt like this is the most shocking. Like my mom passing away was shocking enough it, itself, but this was just tenfold. You know, it was very scary. So I did that. And I didn't wash it properly. And the next day, I wore the same uniform. And I didn't realize that there was a little bit of a patch that was left. And I went to school. And the next day itself, I remember people just like looking at me. All these children looking at me and making fun of me. And... uh, like, what is this like? You don't even have sense. What are you doing? Why are you wearing this and coming? You don't have clothes. You don't have money or what for clothes.
0: <clears throat>
1: and uh, that just, I felt so bad. I went to the washroom and I was just crying. I was I was like, I don't know what else to do. I just have to cry because there is no other, what could I have said? And I didn't even have it in me at the time to you know, just like go and like be like, how dare you, you know, how dare you tell me anything. You don't know what I'm going through. Like, I, I was like, I don't have the energy to fight. And so, that happened eventually. My grandmother just told my father that I don't think I can do this. You have to take her, and you have to take both of them, and you need to figure this out for yourself. So we went to a fairly uh, because we lived in like Mumbai at the time, we went to um, a, a place called Boysar after that which is very like it's far away from uh, Mumbai I, I think it's about like two hours you know when I, I I studied really really hard you know my father was just about studies at the time he was like you have to study and I'm like I'm you, I just, I remember this one time where I was just like, you want me to take care of the house? You want me to study? You want me to do everything? What am I? I'm a super uh, human or what? Like I literally went like that. And my father was just, he kept, he he was just like, I don't know what to tell this girl. I really don't know what to tell this girl. I had started asking questions as I was growing Old, I had started asking questions I was like why is this why is this right you tell me you know because there were um, there were just times where my in my own family you know there have been times where I faced sexism but I was the eldest daughter and regardless of all of that oh like girls don't do this and girls don't do that and I started asking those questions Nobody was there to tell me you should ask these questions or anything. I just felt like it was absolutely unfair. And I realized that um, anytime I saw something that was unfair or someone being unfair, I was quick to just be like, how dare you? Like, you don't know what's happening. You don't know uh, where this person's come from. You don't know how it feels. And all of those things, I think it's just an amalgamation of, you know, my uh, learnings from the experiences that I've had. But I was very, you know, I was getting adamant, I was getting stronger by the day. Um, Because I was like, i have, you know, the worst thing possible that I could have dealt with, I've done it. I have done it. It's, it's done, it's dusted, it's, it's gone. Now I have to deal with like, if you're gonna throw something at me, I'm gonna deal with it. I'm gonna get back but i i was still learning of course like it's been a it's been a journey but there were times where you know when it comes to my achievements or like i said i was studying if i would you know get a good grade if i would come first if i would um i remember getting um in my school i got the best student of the year award because i was um I was writing poetries. I was, you know, taking part in extracurricular activities with, honestly, I had no time to do that. I literally fit all of that in my school time. And I don't know how I did it. I still think about it. And I'm just like, I don't know how I did it. And I did all of that. And then, and after all that, I got the best student award. And my teacher, like one of my favorite teachers at the time, um she she basically was like um you know how are you how are you doing this she asked me how are you doing this and I just went like I I don't even know it's just I just do it I just feel like okay it's pushing me something's pushing me into this direction and I just go and I just do it but all of that you know in in doing all of that, it, it still felt like I was, there was something that was missing. I was never completely happy. I was never completely um, fulfilled, I would say. It felt like all of my achievements, the first time I got my period, my mom wasn't there to explain me what it is. The... The first time I failed at math, my mom wasn't there to tell me that it's going to be okay. The first time I passed with amazing numbers at math, my mom wasn't there to tell me that, you know, see, I told you it's going to be okay. The first time I decided to, um, you know, uh, study journalism, so I did my majors in journalism, my mom wasn't there. To tell me that you know I'm so happy that you've decided to do this Um after all all of that and constantly struggling I still remember I used to go to college in Mumbai Um, and I would travel every weekend to come back because we had a caretaker for my sister at the time because I had to go study now you know I've, I've passed my high school now it's time that I go study and I was a good student I was a really good student and my father was like I don't My father had gone through this himself where, you know, he was a brilliant student. He didn't get an opportunity to study further because his father had passed away. And he had to take care of the family. So he stopped and he was like, I'm not going to let that happen to this girl. I'm not going to let that happen to my daughter. And yeah, so we've, we've gone through all of those things and that, you know, the time when when I decided that I want to move abroad, um I want to move to Toronto, um he he was a little bit skeptical. And everybody around us, every single person around us was like, How are you letting this happen? How are you letting her go? She is supposed to take care. She is supposed to be with you. You're gonna be so alone. What are you gonna do? And I think in that moment, he he actually came and told me that I'm going to be alone. And I remember telling him very... I feel like I could have been... My tone could have been better at the time, but I remember telling him that I'm not your partner. I'm your daughter. And I think that switch happened for him in that moment when I told him that that. And I honestly didn't even think about it before telling him it just came out in that moment when I told him that I want to move uh move to move to Toronto and study and literally like I didn't go to him without a plan or you know randomly being like oh I just want to go to go somewhere I went to him with This is where I'm gonna live. This is how much it's gonna cost. This is the college. This is the tuition fee. This is where. This is um how far it takes from my place where I'm gonna stay to the college. This is how much it's gonna cost in like um traveling everything. And then I told him I'm gonna take a student loan, and I'm gonna pay it off, and and you just have to be my co-borrower. That's all. And I think he saw how much I believed in myself at the time and it took everything out of me because you know what even though I believed in myself I was scared I was so scared I was like I have no idea what I'm doing I literally even when I had an idea and i put a whole plan together I still had no idea how my life is going to turn but then that happened I went I actually talked to the financial institute where I took my loan I got them to get my interest rate down because I was like you you know like this is what I'm this is this is you know like my these are my certifications like I have studied and I promise you that like there will be no uh, problems when it comes to payments I'm going to go there I'm gonna like uh, even get a job and all of that. So because because I like I told you, the financial condition in my family was not that great. So in order for me to even get the loan was difficult because it was not great. Uh the you know, finances. So I I still, Beth, honestly, I I still can't fathom what happened. After all that, I came here. I studied. I really studied. I worked part-time. I sent money. Never have I ever asked for money from my father ever since I was 17 years old. I have only and only, you know, and I I take pride in it. I, I feel like it's, it's a good thing because, you know, I helped my father when he needed me the most and that's what I'm doing even today. Um, and then eventually, I I worked. I got a full time job here. I worked over there. You know, I got my residency, and after getting my residency, I was a little bit. That's when I I remember when I got my residency. The day that I got that email from um from from the government of Canada, and um, it said, "Hi, Pooja Khanna, your residency has been you know." accepted and I remember calling my father and I was like you know years three years I I got my residency in three years in Canada because and that was also a battle uh, of itself because I'd taken loan and I had to um, you know like I could only do one year of study instead of two years and if you do one year of study, you have to get a job immediately and do one year of work permit um, because you get one year of work permit. You have to get a job and a position level job, good level job. Um, And only after that, you will be able to apply for your PR and then they'll verify all the documents and then they'll give you your PR. So all of that was done. And I told, I called up my father and I was like, I did it. I got it. And my father in that moment was like, I am very happy that I didn't listen to anybody. And and he thanked me. He thanked me and he said, I would have not been able to do what I'm doing right now if it wasn't for you. And... Of course, I have my own little battles with him time to time where, you know, I'm like, oh, you're not understanding. You you just can't, you you don't get it. You don't say it, you know. Um, But there have also been some really good times. And I, I struggle. I struggle with that. Even today, I struggle with it. But I'm just thankful that at least I had someone to share this with. That at least somebody believed in me when I needed that the most, and yeah, I, I, I think just with the, with the way that my life has um, you know transformed and and what it has transitioned into, um, I would just say that I'm still I'm not perfect. Um, I'm really not believe me I cry like a baby and it's wonderful to cry you should try it sometime you know Um, but I have also had a lot of failures along the way I have not been the best person that I wanted to be I have also been sometimes very like emotionally not available for somebody that I could have been or I've just been you know a little bit frustrated or annoyed or maybe you know sometimes I've not even done the right things that I needed to but I just I feel like I'm really I'm learning and I I really want to be better I want to be much better than whatever however I am today and um, I'm like I like I even wrote to you and I said I'm at a crossroads because now I've finally gotten the time to breathe um, because everything that I did was only survival. It was absolute survival. Everything that was happening was just survival for me. And it is now that I'm understanding who I am, what I want to be, how I want to take my life ahead and I might not be the best person and I might not be the perfect person and I don't strive to be that either I just want to be a good human being that's it I want to be peaceful I don't want to be a you know billion dollar woman you know uh, taking charge but I want to take charge of my life if I can do this I think I think I'll be okay. And my people will be okay. My sister will be okay. My father will be okay.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'd say just wanting to be a good human being is something that we should all strive for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can I ask how your sister is doing now? She's doing okay. um,
1: But there are obviously issues because she's also you know even though she's autistic she's still a she's still a girl and that doesn't change the fact that you're gonna have um, you know your period every month Um, that is the most difficult thing that my father um, has to deal with it's just him and the caretaker now um,
0: uh,
1: with my sister there are, you know, issues where she's gaining a little bit of weight, she's getting slightly violent. Um, those those things are still there. And it's my my father's like, I don't, you know, I don't know what else to do other than just love her and you know, feed her and take care of her.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: she's okay. Um, but I just feel like she could be so much better.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that certainly is a lot on a 10 year old. And I think, I think the thing that we do as we get older and grow is then, is then we have the, you have the life experience of a, are you 26 or 27?
1: I'll turn 27 in a month.
0: Okay. So 26 years old, now you're looking back on, you know, your circumstances, a 10 year old. Um, and you know, you said that, you know, you wish you had done some things different, but, like, if you become a mom, when your daughter is 10 years old, you are going to look at her and you are not going to be able to believe that you survived what you did, that you did what you did, and you handled what you did. And not only did you survive it, you're thriving today, right? Yeah, thank I, you. And, yeah, and I don't think that, you know, you'll, you'll really be able to comprehend that until if you have a 10 year old Mm -hmm. son or daughter or niece or nephew or something, but it will hit you. I think you can, you can visualize it in your brain and kind of, and, you know, think about it and acknowledge about what all you went through, but that's a lot. That's a lot for a 10 year old girl. Um, and I do love that that I loved the part that you said about that your mom was okay. Where did I put I spoke a lot of notes. <laughs> I thought I really, really. Oh yeah, strong, independent, and ra- independent and radical. You said, mm-hmm. um, and I believe that you've gotten that radicalness from your mom um, because, like, so when your when your sister injured her hand, so what were you? Maybe eleven, or were you still just ten, or?
1: I was 10. I was, I, it was, I think four months after my mom passed away.
0: Yeah. And the fact that you put the turmeric on there and that you didn't even go back up to, you know, to your home, that you sat in the shed and waited for the doctor to come. um, That's just, that's, that's pretty radical, I would say, you know? um, And then I, my heart just broke for you when, when then you went to school the next day and that kids are making fun of you and Man, the kids are just rotten. They are just rotten. But as much as you'll recognize, you know the the stamina and the radicalness that you had as a ten year old, my kids are just they're just naive. You know, yeah. they just they just they don't know any better. Um, but it still is and still breaks my heart that it hurt you like that. You know, that stinks. But like you said, nobody else had been through what you've been through. Nobody had the capacity to even think about, And well, from what you said, nobody really knew that your mom was gone because you you didn't say that she was. So, yeah, yeah. But I love that the all those people in that waiting room that you said that there is, you know, there are good people out there. Yeah, there yeah. absolutely are.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm
0: and i was just having this conversation with my friend today we were just talking about you know there's a i think everybody has stuff that they go through as a child like growing up and things happen and parents aren't perfect like we're not you know none of us are perfect but there become there has to come a time in people's life when it changes from being a circumstance to a choice like you had a bunch of circumstances that you had no control over. But even at the young age of 26, you have already decided to take control over what you can and that you're living from a place of, you said that you you want to learn and you want to be better and you're constantly striving to, to learn and um, to treat people um, with respect. And, um, you know, some people through the whole life from that place of lack whereas you're already acknowledging this place of expansion and receiving and giving and you could absolutely live your whole life from that place of lack and nobody would hear your story and think oh just get it together puja you know they would be like yeah wow that's a lot I, I can see why you're still you know struggling and and you know not and not that you're not struggling because that's the one thing I think too I think is that we we um share this persona of perfection and nobody's perfect and nobody has it together all the time and there are going to be days that you're going to lay in your bed like you said and you don't have the energy to get out of bed and and that's okay I think we need to say that that's okay you're going to hang your superwoman cape up and <laughs> <laughs> every <laughs> once in a while and say somebody else wash that because I'm going to take a break <laughs> you know before we started recording I just told you about how I like wept to my husband like you know a week ago about missing my people and that's that's okay mm-hmm. you know I hate I kind of hate saying that's normal because then I feel like it takes away from from your personal experience of it um mm-hmm. but it's okay yeah
1: it's okay I, to be human it is, it is absolutely okay. I feel mm-hmm. like um, now after everything, and now I I live all by myself. I live alone, and you know I never thought that I'd ever be able to do that. You know that was a long distant um uh, goal of mine, and I think the more I'm growing, the more I'm learning, the more I'm working um. Um, I'm understanding that I, you have the ability to hold multiple truths together, you know, and that's that's okay. If you you know you've had this really difficult journey in your life, that is a truth. But you've also had a beautiful journey where you've proven yourself. That is another truth. So I think just being able to expand your heart. to hold multiple truths together is is all right. That is something that we should be able to do as people.
0: You're 100% right. I learned that too. I always thought you were happy or sad. But no, you can be happy and sad all at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. N- normally after you've had an experience like this, you probably will experience them both at the same time.
1: Yeah on a very like it's a constant thing that happens i i struggle there's a lot of conflict of oh like am i i'm not supposed to feel this way i'm strong i've done stuff you know and but you do you feel this way and and you and i feel like it comes with so much more um intensity you know, every single time it comes with a lot of like my sadness or my me feeling low comes with more intensity every single time I'm feeling that way. Um, for whatever reason, I'm. I think I'm still learning to um compartmentalize that and understand it. But yeah, it's it's been a journey, and I'm just I'm just thankful, Beth, that I'm alive. Mm. And I'm just thankful that I can look at my sister and be like, you know, you've given me so much love, and she has the most innocent soul on this planet for me, is her. I've learned so much from her. She was she was happy the next day. She was laughing. She was okay. And I was like, This is this is something that I need to incorporate in my life. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. You said something about compartmentalizing and I, I forget where I heard this, it was from some psychologist or something, but they compared that a man's brain is more like an ice cube tray, like with the compartments and things and women's brains are like spaghetti and everything's <laughs> everything's touching and overlapping and you, know, you can have experience today that will go down that strand all the way back to 26 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, And I, you know, I think sometimes that we would love to be able to put our emotions in boxes with nice names on them and things. And I think it is very important to do that. I think it is very important to say, you know, I'm experiencing sadness right now. I'm feeling sad. It doesn't mean I am sad, but I'm feeling sad right now. Um, And just to, you know, to I'm like you, I like to learn, I like to grow. And just to be able to recognize that it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be feeling that way and to not, I I listened to you talk about, you know, the school and the success and the hard work. And I think there's gotta be some sort of study about daughters um, and when they lose their moms at a young age, that that is what we do. We check off all the boxes and make sure that everything is done right. so I think that you know when you you're saying that your your sadness you're experiencing lately seems to be um, maybe elevated. It's probably because like you seem to be a pretty all in person. Like you're you go all in with your studies, and you've got you went all in with your sister. You told me some things about your relationship with your dad. You know you're all in with trying to be transparent and real and honest. And um, I think the more that you do that the more it will probably allow more of those feelings, to, the other side of those feelings to surface because mm-hmm. you're growing stronger in your own journey of who you are. Like you said, you had blocked something out that you didn't remember it. Oh, about the thing that the, the man at the church had said. But I think um, the other thing I've learned, I think is that when, I think it was Brene Brown has a quote about that when we numb our emotions, you don't just numb the grief, you numb all of your emotions. So I think you know, when you numb, you kind of keep everything. People can't see what I'm doing, but I'm like holding my hands level together. But as you learn how to allow yourself to feel things, I think the height of your joy is related to the depth of your sorrow and pain. So if you keep everything here, which feels kind of nice and you know, I can go along living life as long as things don't get too out of control, but when you allow yourself to 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 go deep in and feel that pain i do believe that your joy gets heightened as well you know i agree, I agree. Yeah. yeah it's the hard facts of life unfortunately but i think it's stuff we don't talk about a whole lot so yeah 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 well you have had a remarkable journey i mean kudos to you um and I love that through it all, like you said, you know, you don't have, you don't have aspirations to, like I was going to run the world and be the first woman president, but that you just want to be a good human. I think that that's, that's a really good goal. That's a really good goal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I feel like at one point in my life, I was like, you know what, I'm I'm actually going to get into politics. I'll be, you know, I'll I'll help people. I'll do everything. I just... And then eventually, I think I realized that I, if I'm going to be able to do any of those things, I need to start with myself. I need to, and sure, my journey kind of like, you know, pushed me um, in the right direction for that. Um, But at the same time, it's still like, I still have a lot to learn. I'm only 26 years old. I still have so much more uh, to learn, to unlearn. Um, mm. Because there are, you know, way too many things that I know about, which I feel like I should not, I should not have known this, or I should not be doing this, you know, because it's just like, actually, you know, coming to North America and, and just experiencing different cultures and talking to different people, it has made me feel, you um, like there's so much more than what I was told, you know, there was, there's just, there's this like full ocean of knowledge and uh, an ocean of awareness. And I need to know better to be able to be better, to be able to do better. And yeah, so I think that's where I am right now in my journey. Um, if, You know, I don't know where I'm going to be 10 years down the line, but I, i think i see my uh progression in terms of how i emotionally manage um myself how i navigate through things uh what my morals are what my values are because um that that is you know that that is an indicator of what i truly want to be mm-hmm. so you know if there are times where i have issues morally understanding if i'm doing the right thing or if i'm doing the wrong thing I, that's, that's when I'm like, okay, I have this knowledge, but I don't have this part of knowledge. And I need to understand it more. And I need to figure it out. And I need to ask questions, whether it's right, wrong questions. I need to ask questions. That is that is my number one, um, number one goal. So I think the one thing that you said that one last advice that i would be you know honestly as um, a 20, as a 26 year old i don't want to give anybody an advice because it's just it's like hey i'm not you know if you're a, if you're a 30 year old listening to me right now or if you're a 50 year old listening to me right now this is not an advice this is just you know i just want to support you and i just want to let you know that you have the ability to ask questions to yourself and you have the ability to also look for solutions yourself in whatever way possible. Um, and by doing that, you know, you will see changes. You will see, because I feel like that is what I've done. I've asked myself questions from time to time. Is this what I want to do? Is this really what I want to do? Um, if, if if I'm sad, if is do you really want to cry, Pooja? Do you really want to cry? And if, and if I feel like I do, then I do then I cry. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's a very um, interesting thing. So I read it somewhere. I'm not sure if it's true. But I read it somewhere that uh, said that um, a woman like Beyonce, you know, when she feels sad, she would um, just go and, um, you know, like be in her own zone for 24 hours. And then she's back. You know, she's like, I'm going to take some time off. I'm going to feel my emotions completely. And then I'll go and like be Beyonce, you know? So um, I am no Beyonce, but um, I relate to that woman. And, you know, I can say that if that is something that she does and if what I've read is true, then yeah, I would do that. So ask yourself the right questions. And if you feel like if that is what you want to do, you do it. You do it. And you really do it, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I think that's great. Not to take it, say it as advice. It's just, you know, something that's worked for you that you're sharing with the rest of us. So Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, well, I would just finish by saying to you one of the things I'd like to say to my kids is you just be you because everyone else is taken. And the world needs you, just you. So you that keep is- up, yeah. You keep up with the hard work um, that you're doing, and asking yourself the questions, and seeking the information that you need, so that you can look for the solutions for yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here, Pooja, for being my first one on the podcast after taking a break, and it's really um, it's been a pleasure getting to know you today
1: thank you so much for giving me an opportunity i have to tell you this and i i i feel like everybody also um they need to listen to this that um you have given your initiative has given a place a platform for people to be able to share their stories and i'm someone who wasn't doing that and i something just you know hit me and something just made me feel like i I need to talk to Beth, you know, it's like, I need to, I need to have a conversation with Beth. It's just, it's just because of how soothing you are and, you know, your personality, like I know people are not able to see you right now, but I am, and I just want to let them know that you are beautiful <laughs> and I just feel so warm. It is actually so nice to talk to, you know, someone like you, it feels very, very much like home. So thank mm. you very much.
0: Oh. Thank you. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.